Welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I am the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks, Lori LeBay. And I'm also a daughter who walked this path with my mom for 30 years. And her disease really was the biggest gift I will ever receive in my life. And so, like many of you listeners, I, I get what it's like being in the trenches. And I started Alzheimer Speaks as an advocacy-based company to provide multiple platforms to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort because I really felt stuck and alone. Um, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to find resources. And I wanted to make a difference for others and help lift those doing really neat work in this area and to help families and professionals alike find their services, products, and tools. We are also known to help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging our platforms and our content to increase their products, their services, their tools, and to make that match, which is so badly needed. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I always like to thank our audience. You see, it's because of you that Alzheimer's Speaks has become an international resource for people. I never thought that was possible when I started. It wasn't a, a hope or a dream. I just thought I'd start in my neck of the woods. But because of your likes, your clicks, your shares, you have made such a huge difference. Um, it's absolutely been fantastic. And so I can't thank you enough. You've gotten us recognized by Oprah and AARP and Maria Shriver and Dr. Oz. And I share those accolades with each and every one of you because that would not have happened without, uh, without you. And so um, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you have done for our show. I encourage you to continue with your likes and your clicks and your shares because there are so many people out there in your own spheres that you probably don't even know are dealing with dementia and they need your help. They need to know that it's okay to reach out and find information and that there is information out there available to them. I would also encourage you to reach out to me. We're always looking for guests and everyone's voice is welcome. So if you are a person living with a diagnosis of dementia, if you are a loved one caring for somebody uh, with dementia, if you are a business professional, if you are an author, a singer, a songwriter, a movie director, a researcher, we want to hear from you. What are you doing to make a difference and how can your work help others? I think through storytelling, it's just um, such a critical piece. I also want to give a shout out to a couple of companies that I just adore. Calendar Cards, which creates a memory system to help support people to continue to live independently, is a wonderful organization. And on top of their product, they've also coordinated and put together the Memory Cafe directory. So now you can find where the memory cafes are 
not only in the U.S., but they've started to pull them around in other directories for other countries. And you can go to memorycafedirectory.com to see if there is a cafe in your location. And if you have one and you want to get in that resource directory, just reach out to Dave and he will put that in for free. I also want to give a shout out to Purple Table Reservations. They are doing a marvelous job training restaurants uh, on how to serve people that are dealing with dementia, autism, post-traumatic stress, so many other things that just need a little different service. And you can find out more information about them and what restaurants are participating in their program at purpletables.com. That's purpletables.com. And then the last one I want to give a shout out to is the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. They do such a fantastic job when it comes to living holistically with dementia. So diet, exercise, meditation, uh, check them out at alzheimersprevention.org. That's alzheimersprevention.org. Now I'm finally going to get to our guest today. We are going to be talking about music therapy and how that can unlock our our hearts and lift us up and connect us and help with engagement, reduce stress, all different types of things. And so I am thrilled to have our two guests with us today. I was lucky enough to meet them when I was out west in uh, Seattle just this past fall with Aegis Living. And Kaylee Tilton was born and raised just north of Seattle, Washington. And she had an early love of music that was instilled by her father. And when he suffered a brain injury, her childhood music, she found it was a really a powerful tool in connecting despite his injuries. She received her degree in music therapy from Berklee College of Music in 2013 and to practice her discipline with, with Aegis. And so, like I said, she's doing some really cool things out there with, with Aegis. So I want to just welcome you to the show, Kaylee. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Lori. It's good to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I'm going to introduce your sidekick here next, Joe Kaufman. I got to meet him while I was out there, too. He was uh, raised in uh, Pasadena, California, and moved to Seattle to attend college in 2013. And Joe is completing his BA in music therapy from Seattle Pacific University and finishing the degree with six-month um, internship with Aegis as well. And this was originally inspired after Joe spent many years of his childhood performing for his grandmother in a nursing home in California. So welcome, Joe. How are you today? Doing great, Lori. Glad to be here. Well, good. I'm going to start with you, Joe, just because I have you live. I always like to ask our guests if you have been personally touched by dementia through family or friends. Yeah, absolutely. And and you touched on it uh, just previously. I, as a child, uh, spent a lot of time with my grandmother, who was in a nursing home, and um, she had dementia. And, and spending time with her and playing music for her, especially the piano, watching how she reacted and how other residents of the nursing home reacted was what originally inspired me um, to pursue music 
and later to pursue music therapy. And so that's how I found my uh, foundation for music therapy. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And um, Kaylee, do you mind sharing if you've been touched by family or friends with dementia? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm actually an outlier in this business. Uh, for the most part, people are drawn to this this type of work uh, through a, a personal connection. Um, but I've I've been lucky enough to to not have dementia touch my my personal circle of of family and friends. I I fell in love with the work uh, during my my practicum training at Berkeley as well as my internship, and just uh, how how instant and and uh, visual the reaction is to music when you're working with folks with dementia. I fell in love with the people and I fell in love with uh, with doing this type of work and that's what brought me here. Wonderful. Now, I, I got to see you in action um, a little bit when we did the uh, screening of the film out there and you just do such a beautiful job and, and I've, I've been personally touched by having music and actually captured and recorded of my mother reacting to it. And so I am like such a huge, huge believer in music. Um, can you tell our audience, what is the difference between music therapy and us just, you know, putting the radio on or throwing some, some earbuds in and listening to music on our own? So music therapy is really about the relationship between a board-certified music therapist uh, and and the person that they are serving, in this case, uh, somebody with dementia. So a music therapist is using their understanding and their knowledge and their training um, of neurological disabilities, how music works within the brain, um, and their specific relationship with that individual to use music as a tool uh, to accomplish non-musical goals. So uh, it's it's really a, a therapeutic approach. Uh, think of it as a physical therapist uses exercises to meet the goals of their clients. A music therapist uses music to meet whatever goals their client might have. Can you give us some ideas of, of what kind of goals there might be? Sure. Um, so when we're talking specifically about dementia, um, we're not talking about curing anybody. Uh, dementia, of course, is a progressive disease, and we're not expecting that our clients are going to magically, uh, you know, be 100% be back to the way they were. What we are trying to do is improve their quality of life, but also slow the progression of the disease and help them to maintain whatever skills they have for as long as they can, uh, which in turn helps them to have a, a better, more full quality of life. Um, so for example, to be more specific, a lot of folks with dementia experience sundowning. In the evening time, they'll get uh, increasingly confused, angry, agitated. You'll hear a lot of people say, you know, my mother's expecting me to be home. Um, I can't stay here. I need to, I need to leave. And that agitation um, can really be a struggle for so many people caregivers and people with dementia alike. Uh, so music is a great tool at that time of day to really redirect that energy. Um, they're, they're not going to just uh, hear you tell them, oh no, you have dementia and you live here. That, that's going to start a whole 
uh, a whole argument. So instead, what we do is we take the music and use it as a tool for them to have uh, an outlet for that energy. bring them in with a song that they love and then suddenly they're caught up in the music they're caught up in singing and dancing and and playing with their friends um and remembering all of these cool things about that song or about how old they were when that song came out and then we use something called the iso principle Uh, which I can get into more later, but essentially what that means is we're meeting them right where they are, which is really high energy with that agitation in the evening, and gradually stepping them down to a more relaxed, calm state with the music. So we might start out with Elvis Presley, with rock and roll, with swing, with big band jazz, and then over the course of the hour session, we're going to end with some lullabies with some waltzes, with some ballads to get them into a a really calm uh, space that can transition more easily into bedtime. And after that initial burst of energy where they've got their anger, their agitation out through the music, uh, they're more receptive to that relaxation part of the session that comes at the end. Oh, wonderful. I think think sometimes, you know, people just think music... um, triggers you know joyfulness and and that's kind of the pitch of music but i but i've also learned over time and i'm sure you've seen this happen where and i know it happens with myself you know music can make me sad it can make me remember other things as well and so you really have to know your audience for those for those trigger points i would imagine is that true yeah absolutely and that's another reason why when we're speaking about music therapy as a difference to um performers or listening to an ipod if if somebody does have a a, a sad trigger with a, with music if it reminds them of a of a loved one that's passed away or something like that it really helps to have that foundation of therapeutic skills to validate where that person is, validate their feelings, and to help them have a healthy means of expressing that and processing that um, before kind of moving them through that and working them through that with music. Um, I can think of an example with a a gal I used to see at the very first place I was hired as a music therapist when I had first graduated. And uh, we sang Marzi Dotes and she smiled and said, oh, me and my brother used to sing that song together. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then she goes, my brother's dead. And I thought, oh, what do I do here as a brand new therapist? And she was suddenly very sad and remembering that her brother passed away. And we talked about how beautiful it is that even though he's gone, we have this music here where we can remember him and he's still with us when we sing those songs and we still feel him when we sing those songs. Uh, And then she told me another song that reminded her of her brother. And we said, well, let's honor the memory of your brother and let's sing that song for him right now. And that was a a really beautiful experience that at first I was really scared. Like, oh no, what do I do with this negative reaction? Um, but music was uh, was key in, in helping her work through that emotion rather than shy away from it. 
Well, it's so funny, even when you mentioned the title of that, I got a smile on my face because that's one of the recorded videos with my mom singing that song. And it just brought her so much joy, even though she at the time was in her, you know, really late stages of the disease. She couldn't sing all the words. And, you know, we were going to record her for an hour and she only lasted a half hour. But we probably have eight, ten clips on um, Alzheimer Speaks YouTube of my mom. And she would just perk up. And you could just see the joy, you know, and so music isn't music therapy um, and music in general, you know, you don't have to know all the words to enjoy it. You don't, we have to watch people's body language. And, you know, I, I remember looking at and when I'm having like a bad day, I go watch my mom's videos because they make me have a really good day because her joy is so pure. And, and that, I think that's one of the things that I love about music therapy is that it's just so pure, you know. And when you talked about the, the um, ISO principle, you know, it's about meeting them where they are. And we talk about that so much in terms of how to give care, but not that many people really know what that true essence looks like. And that was one of the beautiful things that I, I saw when I was out at Aegis is that your company really seems to get the essence of meeting people where they are and delivering services that are, are customized and, and culturally adapt to them. And, and that's, um, that's a really powerful, powerful thing to see. It must be really exciting to be part of that. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but um but Aegis does a, a really good job um, in, in designing their program very intentionally with their residents in mind. So they, what, their approach is to give um, each community a structure, but within that structure, we're free to customize that to our residents' uh, desires, passions, interests. Um, so we touch on the body, the mind, and the spirit but let's say, uh, for instance, I have somebody here who is from India, and uh, recently the celebration of Diwali uh, was on our calendar, and we thought, what a great opportunity to honor this resident and to bring something from her culture and from, from her life, and also to show the other residents and to, to create a sense of community and learning around that. Yeah, it's a really, a really beautiful approach. Great. I'm going to pull Joe into the conversation now. And um, Joe, I want to ask you if you can tell me a little bit about, about what kind of practicum experience you had during your undergraduate degree in music therapy. What, you know, what do they put you through? Yeah, absolutely. So um, throughout the four years of my education, uh, during each term, we were placed in different practicum sites. And what that means is that we went into uh, the greater Seattle community and were working with a variety of different populations. Um, my first year that I was in school, I was just observing, but I was in a um, elementary school with children uh, on the autism spectrum and other developmental disabilities, which is one of the uh, other main categories of populations that music therapists will find themselves working with. Um, and so that offered a whole different experience um, in a classroom setting. 
And then later, as I continued throughout uh, my school years, I worked uh, at a homeless shelter called New Horizons, which is also in the greater Seattle area with um, at-risk youth, which was a completely different experience um, than working in a classroom or working in a facility like Aegis. So the um, overall goal was that students had the opportunity to um, get out into their community beyond the classroom and expand their education as to who could benefit from music therapy and allow students the time and space to experiment working with different kinds of people with all kinds of abilities and disabilities. And so uh, that's kind of how the process went with the practicum work at Seattle Pacific University. Okay, great. Now, after working with all those different populations during your practicum, how did you decide to do an internship with Aegis in their memory care? Yeah, so um, as, I, as I mentioned a little bit before, uh, I had my first real uh, experience with my grandmother who had dementia, and so that population and, and residents with dementia always held a special place in my heart. And when I came for a working interview, I observed Kaylee and played along and watching her connect with the residents and watching how much of a positive impact it made on their everyday life um, was incredibly inspiring and was, was the ultimate reason that I chose to do my internship with Aegis. Okay, great. I'm going to pull uh, Kaylee back in again. And Kaylee, can you tell us uh, a little bit on um, what a typical session looks like, maybe for both uh, an individual and, and do you do group sessions as well? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I typically do uh, two or three group sessions in a day, and then uh, my one-on-ones are based on need. So there are certain times I have a, a larger load than others. Um, but let's start with the one-on-ones, um, and I'll give you an example of somebody that I'm seeing now. Um, I'm seeing a gentleman who's a re retired pastor, um, and he uh, is, is somewhat isolated, um, he doesn't leave his room quite as regularly as other residents for, for a variety of reasons. But uh, that's one of the reasons that I can be referred uh, for one-on-one -on -one music therapy is to help decrease that social isolation um, as well as to help stave off uh, things that stem from social isolation like depression, deteriorating health. So I see him uh, once a week and we we do music that matters to him we do music uh, from the church hymns spiritual songs um, and this guy is a, a, a pretty um, low-key guy he doesn't respond uh, quite so dramatically as other residents he'll typically uh, lay in bed while we're there um, sometimes he'll sing along Sometimes he'll tap his toes. Oftentimes his eyes are closed. Um, and he's also dealing with a lot of pain. So in addition to decreasing the social isolation for him and giving him a, a social outlet and, uh, and, and, and some interaction in his day, um, 
we're working on that pain management. So what happens in the brain is uh, when you're in a tremendous amount of pain, your pain receptors are flooded. But if you can flood those sensory receptors with other types of sensory input, it diminishes the amount of the pain that you're perceiving. Um, and can really help relax a resident and help them to release physical tension. So I focus a lot on that uh, with this particular guy. So we'll, we'll sing uh, the songs that are meaningful to him, the songs that grab his full attention. And, and we'll still use that ISO principle where we might start out with songs that are a little more high energy based on the tension uh, that he's physically holding in his body. And as his shoulders begin to drop, as the, uh, the furrow in his brow begins to relax, uh, we follow suit and slow the tempo and go to uh, some of his favorites like Amazing Grace and How Great Thou Art. And I use that tool of tempo uh, a lot in my sessions, um, matching his his respiration, matching his breathing with tempo, um, and and slowly bringing that down to a place where where his body is more physiologically relaxed. So that's kind of what it looks like with this particular individual, but it can look uh, very different depending on the needs of the person. It can look like you know, sitting around and, and talking about our favorite songs and doing some lyric analysis or sharing memories or, or playing instruments it really depends on um, the needs and the goals of that person. Now, in a group setting, um, I try to cut down the middle a little bit more. Um, so, for instance, I did a, a setting this morning uh, called Musical Mysteries Trivia. So, it's a, a music group, but we also do some brain exercises and some trivia and engage the residents in that way, uh, going back and forth from playing songs to asking trivia questions about the songs uh, to, to work those memory retrieval pathways while we're doing the music. So typically in a group session, I'll have anywhere from, oh, about seven residents up to 20 or so. Um, and we tend to start with a hello song. Um, this works really well with the repetition. We do it every time. So even the residents who don't remember my name will remember the hello song and they'll perk up and immediately know, oh, it's time for music, it's time to get going. And it starts their uh, a kind of a Pavlovian effect, getting their bodies and their minds ready to engage in music. And then I bookend it with a, with a thank you song. I try to avoid goodbye in the dementia setting because sometimes they'll say, oh, goodbye. Okay, great. Where are we going? And then, you know, <laughs> it's hard to, to say, no, no, you go ahead and stay right there. Um, so we do a thank you song at the end. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here. I'm glad that you were here. Thank you for singing with me. And, uh, and during each of those songs, I address each resident individually. And that's for me to, uh, to build rapport with each person, but also to check in and say, hmm, Bob isn't looking me in the eye today. I wonder what that's about. Or, oh, wow, Maria's really uh, energetic today. I'm going to work with that. And then I, I tend to come in with a plan, but, uh, but I try to, again, meet my residents where they are. So if I have a, a really high energy group and people are really sleepy, I might start out with some lower tempo songs and build our way to that high energy uh, group. 
but um, I tend to use music that uh, that is popular, that people know, that people can sing along to, and uh, possibly engage with instruments. Um, but the variety, the types of sessions, um, really vary, and I, I tend to focus. Uh, on different goals depending on that type of session. So for the trivia session, it's more uh, that brain work, those brain exercises engaging in that way. Whereas if we're doing an adapted songwriting class, it's more about um, creative expression and working together as a team to create uh, something, something that we can all be proud of. So it, it varies quite a lot. Uh, but around this time of year, it's whole lot of holiday music and, and talking about holiday traditions and happy memories of, of being at home and, and what they did around this time of year together. Right. Well, I, I loved even when you explained about, you know, when you wrap up, you do the thank you song versus something with goodbye, just knowing that that could be a trigger. Because I think for all of us, if we work in the industry or if we are a family member or a friend, we have to be much more conscious of triggers and what an easy and beautiful way to just avoid one. Can't avoid it if you don't know, you know, if you haven't picked up that it, that, that is a potential trigger for somebody. And um, what, a, what a smart way to go about that. I also, um, you had talked about doing an adaptive song. Can you, can you give us um, an example of that? Do they kind of fill in the blank for you? Sure. There's a lot of ways to do adapted songwriting. And um, the approach depends really greatly, again, on the group of residents you have in front of you um, and their, their skill levels um, and their interest levels as well. But typically uh, what works best with the most of the people here. It's a very big generalization and it, it varies greatly from individual to individual. But what we do is uh, we use the template version. So the template version of songwriting uh, will pick a theme. For instance, um, what are your favorite things about the winter season? And we'll go around the group and each person will provide uh, their own answer. Even if it's, I hate winter. I don't like it at all. Then we put that up on the board and we start to make a list of everybody's answers during uh, what I call the brainstorming part. And, um, and so we start with that. We go all around and we talk about, okay, what's our favorite things about winter? And then from there, um, typically what I'll do is I'll choose a few songs that I think might fit the theme nicely and also lend itself uh, well to, uh, to lyric substitution. So I'll say, hey guys, should we use the song Over the River and Through the Woods or should we use the song Silent Night? And I tend to give them a couple of choices that are, are different. One that's a little more up-tempo, one that's a little more down-tempo. Um, and then from there, they choose whichever one they like better. I like the democracy method. We, we take a vote. Um, and then we take the ideas from our brainstorm and as much as possible uh, use exact wording, exact phrasing, um, and put those into the lines of the song using the correct amount of syllables, uh, using rhyme schemes. Um, a lot of times I'll ask the residents, okay, we ended this line with the word you. What are some words we can think of that end in that same sound and how are we going to end this next line and then we just kind of go through the list and make sure that we take at least one idea from each participant uh, and get it reflected in the song. We do a lot of 
okay, let's see how that sounds when we sing it and asking them, what do you guys think? Did that flow okay? Do we need to change any words? Um, and then once we get all the way through the verses, we, uh, we come up with a song title. Um, and then with that one, we, we type up the lyrics and I always put uh, to the tune of whatever song, to the tune of she'll be coming around the mountain, for instance. And then we post that in our elevator um, with their names. So guests and family members can, while they're waiting to get to their floor, they can read that song and see the residents that participated and say, hey, mom, you helped write this. And maybe they'll even be able to pick out what line uh, came directly from their loved one if it's a, a terribly specific one, because we do get those really specific uh, ones along with the more general uh, general ideas, but it, it varies. Uh, it varies a lot again based on the skill level and the interests of, of different people. But that that is the template method, uh, which tends to work uh, well with a lot of the residents here. So, what type of instruments do you have that people would participate with? Um, I tend to use hand percussion. So, if a if a resident plays an instrument. Um, and they are, are open to playing that uh, in a group, um, then that's great, and I encourage them to do that. Uh, but generally, I'm working with people that are not professional musicians. We're working with the general public. So um, anybody can shake a sh tambourine or a maraca or play a drum, um, and you don't have to have a lot of training to, to sound good on it. So when we're playing with instruments, I'll pass those out. And then again, I use the language of rhythm, which is an intrinsic human language. We all have rhythm, our, our hearts, our cardiovascular, our respiratory systems. It's all, it's all rhythm. Um, so I use the language of rhythm in my music and, and we communicate beyond words in those sessions. So they're playing along to the beat, they're matching me, and then maybe suddenly I stop and see how quickly they stop with me or I slow down and see if they slow down or I, I do a big rumble at the end and we just we kind of just play with each other and 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 speak a different language which is a really important part of music therapy uh, those language skills can really diminish as the disease progresses but rhythm music melody tension and release harmony these are things that uh, that we all understand and that don't go away as the disease progresses um, and we can still have a conversation uh, maybe it's not with language maybe it's not with words but i still understand oh sam is really getting some anger out on those bongos today and i still understand oh gloria um is is really getting into the swaying rhythm of this um it's just a tapping into that different language and meeting them there yeah that body language is so important now i know i've got one gal through a loving kindness and she's talked about different types of instruments where you can't play a bad note and i want to say it's like a baton or I, i'm not saying it right are you familiar with those yeah um, she might be talking about the pentatonic scale uh, any instrument yeah any instrument that uses the pentatonic scale any note that you play sounds right in in the key that you're given so you can do that um with uh xylophones especially i have um 
a few instruments where you can remove uh, certain notes. Like in a xylophone, you can remove those notes, and then any note that they play is is going to sound good. Um, this is kind of a silly one, but like kazoo or harmonica, those types of instruments work really well too for uh, for not playing a wrong note. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, then I wanted to ask you, um, do you do uh, much with, with palliative and, and hospice care as well? Yeah, it's not as big a part of my, my workload, um, but we are a long-term care facility and our, our residents do age in place. Um, so the residents that are here uh, obviously have this this progressive disease and uh, and the end of their life is is hospice care uh, here with people that that have known them and, and been working with them in their in what is their home um, for years so I, I do a, a bit of that at whenever it's needed and that's um, a very special type of work and a very special type of approach Okay, great. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, pull Joe back in here. And Joe, I'm wondering if, if you can share um, with our audience maybe a, a special story, something that just hit your heart when you were working with a, with a client, or maybe it was something a family member said that they noticed. There's one, uh, one gentleman in particular who, who, uh, really, really perks up uh, after music time specifically and after our sessions. And um, his wife, Carol, will often come in and kind of just sit in and sit next to him. And she's mentioned many times uh, to myself and to Kaylee how much uh, positivity our music brings to him every single day. And um, hearing that from her is, is really um, special and very rewarding, and you can just see on his face how happy this music is making him. And so that happens, uh, that has happened on multiple occasions, but that's just always a very subtle reminder that, um, that what we're doing has a hugely positive impact on the residents. Well, and I think one of the things to add there is when a person with dementia is calm or anybody who, who you're caring for is calm and enjoying, you know, the music, that vibrates out to everybody. And that can change okay. that can change a whole room <laughs> really quickly. You know, if somebody's struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And that and exactly like you said, that energy is contagious and when everybody's having a good time, it's, it really is difficult not to have a good time. And so we really create that kind of uh, atmosphere for these residents during the, um, the one hour that we are playing music for them. Yeah, I remember when my mom was in the nursing home and somebody would come out and when she was on hospice, she um, had a music therapist uh, who would come and the residents would gather around her door. You know, she's supposed to have a one-on-one, -on -one, but my mom didn't care. Um, but everybody enjoyed it, you know, because it didn't just, it wasn't contained within those walls. And, you know, or we would see people who would just um, wander in that direction and kind of go back and forth by the door. They might not stop because they knew it was a private session, but they enjoyed the music. And um, I, I remember talking with them one time and saying, it's okay if you, if you go out, 
and, and you know, spread the joy. Even though I know you're signed up for a one-on-one, um, it's okay. My mom's okay with that, I can tell. And um, I, I just think it's such a, a precious, precious gift that you guys bring to people and um, allowing, allowing music to, to lift us all and to make us just um, be present and sometimes just slow down you know, so that we can relax and, and everybody can take a, a deep breath in or, or take time to just put a smile on their face. That's, that's powerful stuff. And, and I think in this, you know, when we're, when we're giving care to somebody, um, many of us get really anxious and we always feel like we have to be busy and that there's so much to do. And we don't take that time to really breathe and appreciate and allow people to just enjoy we're so busy doing tasks and and so I, I love what you guys um bring to the table um Kaylee how about you any any stories that that you want to share um with either a resident or family member or even staff who maybe have just witnessed you know your work for the first time to see the difference sure sure um I actually I got a, a couple at the top of my mind um just to piggyback off of um, the gentleman Joe was talking about just now, uh, just yesterday, um, he, he can kind of get into these moods where he's really agitated. Um, and sometimes that agitation becomes aggression. So we tend to give him a wide berth when he's, uh, when he's in those places and he kind of, you know, marches down the halls and you can just see in his face, he has an aura of like, get away from me. Don't, don't mess with me. Um, and when we came in to do music yesterday, uh, that's where he was at. He was just, you know, frustrated and, and, and tense. So he went, um, he went marching around the halls and, and, and that's part of my philosophy too, is they get to choose. I'm not going to force them to be there and it's their choice just as much to join us as it is to say, no, thank you. So he went, uh, he went and, and did something else. But then, uh, while Joe was up doing his songs, I, I spied, I spied him down the hall and I, I waved at him and, and, uh, and he got up and he, he came over and ended up sitting uh, in the circle with us and uh, was just in such a, a better mood by the time the music had ended. Um, and, uh, and he often will, will kind of um, tear up to the music, uh, not in a, a, a sad way, but in a, a happy way. He'll he'll just say, oh, I love that song, and he'll tear up and and clap and hold hands with people, and it's uh, really beautiful. So just to piggyback on that one, and then the other uh, the other one that came to my mind is we have a a gal here uh, named Maria, and Maria um, Maria is uh, from Mexico, and um, and uh, we'll often slip back into Spanish, which is pretty common with dementia. Um, so she loves, she loves music that has Spanish lyrics and I don't have a, a huge repertoire of that, but I do have a few of her favorites. And, um, there's one song in particular that no matter what kind of day she's having, if she's tired, if she's confused, if she's paranoid, um, if she's in a great mood, no matter what kind of day she's having, if I start to play La Bamba, 
she really truly cannot help herself. She puts down whatever she's holding, she gets out of her seat and she dances. And she loves to dance. She met her husband dancing. She's been dancing since she was a little girl. She loves, loves, loves to dance. Um, and La Bamba always makes her dance. So she'll get up anytime I play it um, and she'll come right up to me and we'll dance together. She likes to get really low. This woman can, can <laughs> she's in her 80s and she can go all the way to the floor, like lower than I can go and get right back up. She's still incredibly flexible and, and limber and, and really strong. Um, but she loves uh, that interaction. She'll also go up to other residents and do like fun dance moves with them or show them dance moves or see if they can do them with her. Um, and it's really a great way to get her out of her shell. Um, and my goal is always, always, always to find that song, that secret musical key that makes that person tick, that can, that can put them in a good mood, that can reach them when they're otherwise unreachable. Uh, and that's that song for Maria. Oh, that's neat. I, I can just visualize that when you're saying that. So <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just have so many fond memories of, of music with my mom. And um, for my, my brothers, for example, they, they really didn't want to learn how to be in the moment physically with her, but they could turn the music on and that would in itself bring her some joy, but not to the extent of what you guys are talking about because you're really engaging them and, and making them feel part. I'm just wondering if you guys have ever done like a, a choir or um, done any caroling as a group through your community or outside your community. I know that was something my mom just was really proud of being part of something like that. Do you guys do anything like that or is that? It's, it's so funny you mentioned that. Um, so, so it, being able to do a choir depends pretty greatly on uh, interest and, and skill level um, and, and works better in, in certain communities more than others. But um, last Christmas I was here, I think it was Christmas Eve, um, either that or the day before Christmas Eve. And, um, and I thought, let's do some caroling. Let's try it out. And, um, and typically my, my groups are in one place. So people that are wanting to come join the music group can come find me. But last year when we did, uh, when we did a caroling day, I, uh, I gave the residents bells and there, there wasn't a huge group of us, maybe five, six. And, um, and I said, well, let's do some caroling. And it was, pretty icy outside and we decided okay we'll we'll just spread some joy inside here and what we did was we we went to every single floor and we marched up and down the halls caroling our little hearts out they were shaking their jingle bells and um and on each floor we would get residents that would come to their door and open the door and think what in the heck is going on out here and it was just so fun because uh, we, we reached those residents that were kind of sequestered in their room um, with the residents that wanted to kind of spread that holiday cheer. Um, and it's one of my most fond memories of, uh, of one of our, our Christmas sessions here. Uh-huh. Oh, cute. That's just kind of a fun thing to do. I know here in Minnesota, we have something called the Giving Voice Chorus. And it, that is for people with dementia and their care partners. 
and they um, they're coming up on their concert. They're doing three of them now because so many people want to come, but it's a great way to get the families involved. And the people with dementia who are part of it are just, they love it to death. And, you know, so often their spouses and family members are like, we can't believe how happy they are and that they can remember all the words to these songs. And music is so powerful and it just should never, ever be underestimated. And I, I adore the work that, that you guys are doing and I, I so highly respect Aegis and their approach to care. I travel all over the country and see a lot of different communities and I was just really blown away with, with what you guys are all doing. And um, it, was a, it was an honor to be part of you for a short, short period of time and in about a week talking about some art therapy that they're doing also with Aegis. So um, again, uh, just wonderful, wonderful programs to see. And, you know, a lot of communities will hire somebody here, you know, sporadically to do, come in and do, you know, a music program or something, but really having somebody on staff makes, uh, in my opinion, as a family member, all the difference in the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're so right about that too. Just especially with dementia, you know, if 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 it, it's a memory disease and and you're only seeing them, you know, once a week or a couple times a month, you know, it's hard to build that relationship. But day in day out, um, and, and holding their hand through through this this process and and singing with them every day and getting to learn those songs that really. Uh, reach them those songs that are really important to them those songs that can can get them out of their shell like I completely agree it's a really uh, important part of the approach that makes a, a big big difference absolutely um, any anything else you want to tell our audience I want to be respectful of of your time here today Kaylee uh, certainly um I just, uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much for, for having uh, Joe and I on your program to talk about music therapy. I think um, that more people should know what it is and more people should demand it, especially for their, their loved ones uh, who are, are living with dementia. It, it makes an incredible impact. Um, but I also just wanted to, to talk a little bit about, for, for your listeners, if you're looking for, um, for things to, to do with your loved one or um, ways to reach them. Find those songs that, um, that connect them to their, their deep, deeply held memories. Uh, because of the way that music works in the brain, those, those music memories are, are trapped in there. They're not going to, uh, to, to go by the byway with the rest of their memories, they're they're going to stick around, and uh, and those are going to be your your windows into your loved one. Those are going to be the ways that you can maintain that connection and maintain that relationship. So ask them about uh, lullabies that they sang to you, or maybe were sung to them. Uh, if you know their wedding song. Um, if you know the songs that were popular when they were a teenager or, uh, you know, the song that was popular when they went to prom, or, those are, those are the memories. Those are the songs that are going to give you, 
uh, a way to stay connected with your loved one all the way through it and just find those ones, whatever it is, whatever brings a spark to their heart, whatever brings the light back into your eyes and remember that and, and, and bring that back to them uh, whenever you're, you're reaching out for them. Great. Thank you so much for that tip. I think that that's really helpful. I know with my mom, she was, you know, big bands, Frank Sinatra. We just had a ton of CDs that, you know, she could play and, and sing and, you know, dance to. And then eventually it was, you know, wiggling her arms and, and then it was down to, you know, just her hands and then just down to her finger. We would finger dance with it, but she mm -hmm. always just this miraculous smile and this glint in her eye and it was just uh it, as a as a daughter it was just heaven to see that pure joy of being in the moment um joe anything else you'd like to add yeah i just want to say thank you so much for having me on here Lori, and giving us the opportunity to uh, shed a little bit of light on music therapy Okay. Well, thank you both for your time today. Um, it's meant so much. You can contact Joe and Kaylee um, by reaching out to Kaylee at her email, and that's uh, Kaylee, K-A-Y-L-E-E -E dot, and then her last name is T-I-L-T-O-N at Aegis Living, and Aegis is A-E-G-I-S living.com kaylee tilton at agesliving.com or you can always call her at 206-285-1106 that's 206-285-1106 and kaylee one last question you know since you're out on the the west coast there if someone is interested in connecting with a music therapist, maybe uh, in another part of the country, what organization would you recommend they go through? Uh, the American Music Therapy Organization is our national uh, organized body. Um, each region has a, a, a sister organization, so ours is the Western Region Music Therapy Association. Um, there's a Northeastern Region, there's a Central region. Um, so I'd encourage people just to visit the American Music Therapy Association and then look for their specific region. Um, and each region has a, a, a different means of reaching their community and also a, a different community of music therapists, uh, given their, their geography and their, their needs in their region. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you again for uh, sharing your, your skill sets and your passion for improving life with dementia and actually for, for all of us living life through music is just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. I am going to um, just wrap up here and um, do a shout out to the Roberto app, an app where people can go ahead and test their skill sets in their brain by uh, just playing some games. And it's a really cool app. It's very inexpensive. In fact, you can get a, an extended free trial. Just go to alzheimerspeaks.com. And on the right-hand column, you'll see a banner ad for the Roberto app with a code. But it's, it's really a nice way to just monitor how things are going. And you, you may find that, you know, your brain is functioning differently when you're under a lot of stress, when you 
haven't gotten a lot of sleep, maybe you'll decide you drank a little too much the night before, or you or you didn't drink enough fluids, um, or that your diet has been goofy. Those things, you know, we can change a lot of times. Um, and, and maybe you'll see a pattern develop that you want to bring this information into your doctor as well. Um, the Roberto app is not just for people worried about their cognition, but they're bringing this into the schools to educate the kids to, to be able to monitor themselves better. They're bringing it into the workforce as well because we work better as teams when we're functioning better. And then I also want to give a shout out to Care to Plan, which is developing a dementia resource directory. You can find out more information on that by going to alzheimerspeaks.com and then just click on the resource directory. Um, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's in beta testing currently, but it will help not only families, but clinicians and doctors get resources to people. The Mayo Clinic is one of the the major uh, content builders um, of that uh, of that directory, and then of course to Maria Shriver for her women's Alzheimer's movement um, and her program Move for the Minds that she does every year. You can visit her at the Women's Alzheimer's Movement.org. She also has something called the Sunday Paper, which I absolutely love. If you like something inspirational and lifting. Sign up for her Sunday paper. I look forward to it every Saturday night. Can't wait to wake up uh, to it. And last, I want to give a shout out to the gals at Dementia Raw. They just do a wonderful job through their Silver Dawn Training Institute, um, equipping both professionals and family caregivers how to communicate in new ways using what they call introspective improv. I went to their two-day um, training course. It was a lot of fun, learned lots of neat things. Um, so go ahead and check them out. You can just, uh, if you Google Dementia Raw, you'll run across them, or you can go to cdcsdementiaraw.com, cdcsdementiaraw.com. In the meantime, everyone, have a brilliant week, and we will all talk soon. Thanks so much. Bye now. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 